When stories like these happen in Indian-administered Kashmir, they rarely make international news, in part because they happen so often. In October, at least 33 people were killed, at least 10 were civilians. More than 50 students were injured when government forces stormed the college. Indian police beat a hasty retreat under a hail of rocks and petrol bombs. The police responded with tear gas and stun grenades. Now, a different kind of crackdown is taking place that could make even those headlines disappear. Fahad Shah, the editor of a news portal called the Kashmir Wala, has been arrested for sharing quote-unquote anti-national content on social media. Fahad Shah's arrest is the latest in a string of attacks on press freedom in the area's largest city, Srinagar. Reporters there say the government is actively trying to shut down any independent media. And if journalists lose the ability to report from Indian-administered Kashmir, a region that's already extremely isolated and tense, there could be serious repercussions for everyone who lives there. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Indian-administered Kashmir. It's a mouthful, but that's the wording we use because of the complicated politics in the region. Kashmir is a disputed territory. Both India and Pakistan claim it as their own. They've fought two wars over the region since they were both founded in 1947. But Kashmir's borders have largely stayed the same. Pakistan controls the northwestern portion of Kashmir and India the south. But even in times of relative peace, people live in fear. Army trucks and soldiers patrol nearly every street in Srinagar. There are frequent clashes between separatists and Indian security forces. And civilians are often caught in the middle. That leads to more protests and more violence and more curfews. But the recent crackdown on the press is relatively new. I sat down with my colleague there to talk about it. My name is Rifat Farid. I'm a journalist based in Kashmir. And I have been in journalism from past nine years. So I know that it must have been a hard few years to be a journalist in Kashmir, especially over these past few days because of the arrest of journalist Fahad Shah. How are you doing I think these times are very distressing for all the journalists. When something happens to your colleague or your friend, you automatically, you imagine yourself there in their shoes. And, you know, it gets into your mind that maybe uh, next is your best friend or you are the next person. It's just out of control at times. When did things start feeling out of control? Working in Kashmir has always been difficult. Even when I had conversations with very senior journalists who are in the field for 30, 40 years, I have always heard these, you know, horror stories. Sometimes I felt maybe those times were worse and we are in better times. That's how I saw it. But like from last four, five years, it's become like really difficult for journalists to kind of survive in these uh, circumstances. It's it's not only difficult like you you report from a conflict zone, but it's difficult like mentally, physically, socially, like in every aspect you suffer. 
Rifat told us that recently, she's had trouble sleeping. Her blood pressure is higher than normal. She's constantly in fear and has published some stories anonymously because she fears retaliation from the government. In the past year, police have hauled dozens of local journalists in for questioning. And the one space reporters considered a safe haven, the Kashmir Press Club, has been shut down. Rifat says that all started with a policy change that took place during the monsoon season of 2019. The Indian government has scrapped constitutional provisions giving special status to Indian-administered Kashmir. It was arguably the biggest thing to happen in Indian-administered Kashmir in decades. Article 370 is at the heart of why the region joined India in 1947. It allows the regional government to make its own laws, except in finance, defence, foreign affairs and communications. And it was stripped away quickly, overnight and under the cover of forced silence. The central government has put parts of Indian-administered Kashmir under security lockdown and has deployed tens of thousands of additional troops. On August 5, 2019, people woke up in Kashmir. There was no news. Our TV cable was shut, phones were shut, internet was shut. There was a complete curfew. But through some TV channels, people came to know that Article 370 was revoked. So it was something very surprising and very shocking to people. So this had been an electoral promise by the Prime Minister, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi, and he made good on it. Is that right? Yeah. Article 370 constituted a bridge between the state of Jammu and Kashmir and the Indian Union. And doing away with it now opens the doors for an uh, open Palestine-type independence struggle within Kashmir. And so you wake up that morning and how are you feeling? What feels different? Like you felt like something very special, something very, very sacred, something that everybody held close to their hearts has been taken away, you know? You belong to a very distinct place and you have a different culture, you have a different history, you have a different geography. So it was like something very special is being taken away from them. Stripping Indian-administered Kashmir of its autonomy had far-reaching consequences. It's the only Muslim-majority state in India. And until August 2019, only those who lived there for generations could own land. Modi and his administration said revoking that policy would allow other Indians to move to Kashmir and build businesses there. They said it would spur innovation and development. But many locals feared this was all a ploy to skew its demographics and satisfy the government's Hindu nationalist supporters. The policy change also meant that the national government suddenly had more power over regional matters. And the first thing it did was impose a months-long curfew and internet blackout. In this current age, you can't imagine yourself without internet. You can't imagine yourself without access to information resources. You can't imagine all that. But after Article 370, which was revoked, it was like for months together, journalists did not have internet. The phones did not work. The communications blackout in Kashmir lasted seven months, the longest internet shutdown in any democracy, according to the internet advocacy group Access Now. The blackout meant journalists had to rely on a government-run internet center to complete and publish their reporting. And Rafat says it wasn't easy to get there. 
when I go back to 2019, it makes me very emotional that I want to cry over those times. When there was curfew, no one was walking in the street because normal work uh, places were shut. Obviously, for a journalist in these circumstances, when everything is messed up, when there's chaos in the street, you have to go and report. So she braved those empty streets and says it was particularly nerve-wracking as a woman journalist, especially when encounters with security forces felt more or less inevitable. In the streets of Kashmir, there are like so many scores of security forces standing with all their weapons and all. So obviously they can ask you a question anytime and stop you anytime. I had to convince the security forces that I am a journalist and please let me go to this media facilitation center where we had the internet available. All that to get to the facility. And then... You have to wait in queue for hours together to get five minutes to send the mail. So it was obviously very frustrating situation, very stressing situation, but also there was no way out to fight it because this was the only option you thought you have to report, to tell the story. So you're describing all of this uncertainty for journalists in Kashmir, and a lot of journalists relied on the Kashmir Press Club for their reporting. Can you tell me about that space? What does it mean to you? So the Kashmir Press Club was started in 2018. For years, the journalists in Kashmir had been fighting for this space. So they wanted to have a place where they could gather, where it would be a kind of atmosphere to share information, to share solidarity with each other, because obviously you live in a very difficult place where you need support and solidarity of each other. So for every journalist, Kashmir Press Club was a second home. Journalists would go, file their reports, have tea and talk to each other. Even like in situations when some journalist was arrested, this was go-to place for every journalist. They would go to press club and they would inform their colleagues they are in a problem. They need help. They need their support. But that kind of solidarity, that kind of place which they called home has completely now vanished. Last month, the government decided that the press club does not exist anymore as its registration had ended uh, a year before in 2021. They had given a permission initially for re-registration, but now they shattered it and they took back the building. And now they just decided that the press club doesn't exist anymore. The government of Indian-administered Kashmir doesn't typically take questions from reporters, and they haven't been very forthcoming with information on the accusations of a press freedom crackdown. But they did make an official comment on the closure of the press club. Kashmir's information department released a statement saying it was closing the club, which occupies government land. It added that it hopes a duly registered bona fide society of all journalists shall be constituted as soon as possible, and the body shall be able to approach the government for a reallocation of the premises. Journalists voiced their opposition to this move, and journalist watchdogs across the globe urged the government to give this space back to the journalists, but it has not been given. And what does its closing mean for you? Its closing means that we all have been dispersed. We had a kind of common platform, now we don't have that. So you can imagine this was a place which had 300 journalists as members. At least 50, 60 people would meet every day. 
so you've had a space where you felt strong where you felt supported where you felt you have some kind of support and you have people around you who are suffering from the same situation who are sharing the same stories who have same struggles who have same anxieties but now you feel obviously journalists feel alone and dispersed so journalists and journalist rights bodies have accused the Indian government of attacking Kashmiri media in a lot of ways over the past two years. And in that time, more than 40 journalists have been subjected to raids or police questioning or placed on no-fly lists, which prevent them from leaving the country. Fahad Shah is one reporter whose story made headlines recently. Can you tell me what happened to him? Fahad uh, was questioned multiple times before as well. So on this, when he was like called for question, maybe his colleagues and uh, his friends or he thought it was something normal. So he might not have imagined he'll be arrested. So it happened. But now I'll simply tell you, it's not something that is shocking to anyone here. Obviously, you feel bad, you feel distressed, you feel like kind of tense and anxious and you kind of suffer mentally about all this, but you can't do anything about it. What kind of reporting did he do and why was he detained? He edits this uh, local news portal, the Kashmirwala, which used to actually cover everything. Environment, be it health, but also human rights issues. Police statement says he was uh, arrested for glorifying terrorism, spreading fake news or causing public alarm. But they are very vague, vague things. The police detained Fahad under the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act, or UAP. It's not a very normal law. It's a very tough law. It's an anti-terror law. The UAP allows authorities to designate someone as a terrorist and detain them without producing any evidence. It also has strict requirements for granting bail. He can barely get it after spending months in jail, and he can face years of jail without actually being found guilty. So it's like, under this law, anyone can be detained. There are other laws as well that police in Srinagar use to detain journalists. Last month, a journalism student named Sajad Gul was arrested under the Public Safety Act. Sajad Gul, arrested by police on charges of uploading videos of protests against the government earlier this month. The Public Safety Act says that authorities can arrest anyone they deem a threat to public safety. They don't need a warrant or even need to show any evidence before arrest. And the law allows police to hold suspects in jail for up to two years without trial. And although it's meant for adults, a large number of minors have been illegally booked under the law. There are hundreds of youth who are picked up from small villages of Kashmir under the Draconian Public Safety Act and end up languishing in jails across the state for years. There's also the media policy that went into effect in Kashmir in 2020. It's a very vague law that says the government can decide whether any reporting is fake news and it can then take action against the offending journalists or news organizations. All in all, these laws paint a grim picture of freedom of press in Indian-administered Kashmir. I asked Rifat how she felt about that. Of course, it frightens everybody. It frightens every journalist here, and it's causing a lot of stress. You can see, like, uh, journalists do a lot of self-censorship because obviously when you are in trouble, it's not just you who are in trouble, your family is in trouble. 
these things cause alarm in our minds that what should we report what should we do and i have conversations with so many friends they want to leave this profession because you know they think it's a lot of stress it's a lot of anxiety sometimes we hide from our families that some journalist has been arrested but they read from social media they read from news yeah and they know that person is your friend that person is your colleague and he is known to you so they kind of pressurize you so it brings another kind of uh, mental stress on a journalist so do you ever consider switching careers doing something else honestly speaking like whenever anything happens i th- these things always strike my mind i always think whether i should switch to some other you know profession where there is l- less mental stress where i'll be at ease but i think while these things do come to my mind while i do discuss them with my close friends or my family at the end of the day i reach to conclusion no this is not how i want to give up i i want to work as a journalist and i think i will be a journalist like till today and forever and i think i am i am supposed to be a storyteller no no matter how much difficult circumstances there would be we have to keep on telling the story And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Priyanka Tilvey with Nagin Oliai, Amy Walters, Alexandra Locke, Ruby Zaman, Ney Alvarez, and me, Malika Bilal. Aya Al-Milek is our engagement producer. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. And Stacey Samuel is executive producer. We'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> 